Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. I guess the drones are flying around again. But anyway, I have welcome to the show, and I've spent the last 45 minutes or so doing something extremely painful for me, and that is listening to Barack Obama expound and, and talk about meeting with the presidents of the Prime Minister of Canada, a far leftist like Obama, and the president of Mexico in their little summit in Canada. And, of course, most of Obama talk is about what a wonderful president he's done, he is and how wonderful things he's done for Mexico and Canada and how much they have benefited from his presidency in the United States. Meantime, we had this little incident last night in Istanbul, Turkey, where 41 people, innocent people, were killed in a terrorist attack, and 239 or more were severely injured. Uh, three bombers, apparently suicide bombers from ISIS, uh, came into the airport, set off their suicide bombs after shooting the place up, and people died. Now, the response of most of the world has been outrage. The response of the President of the United States was, eh, so what? Uh, basically, last night, he said that, uh, you know, it's a terrible thing and we stand with the people of Turkey. This morning, before the press conference in Canada, he said this is a bad thing. We stand with the people of Turkey in fighting terrorist networks. No mention of Islamic terrorism radical Islamic terrorism, of course, fighting terrorist networks. Then he immediately pivoted and went said on a happier note, we are going to be taking a lot of action against climate change. Happier note. How do you get a happier note out of a terrorist attack? How do you get a happier note when you're not pledging to fight the terrorist, but you're pledging to address climate change and cited Paris Treaty that you're not even going to submit to the United States Senate for approval as is required by law. And that is Obama's happier note. John Kerry, our so-called Secretary of State, in the meantime came out and said basically the same type of thing that we are going to stand with the people of Turkey, and we are defeating ISIS. All over the world, we're defeating ISIS. I don't know about you, but I'm getting tired of having leaders of our country stand up in front of me and the American people and lie to our faces, knowing that we most of us know that we're being lied to. They don't care. They're going to push the party line. Hillary Clinton's done it. John Kerry does it. Barack Obama does it. Harry Reid does it. Nancy Pelosi does it. The mainstream news, news media does it for the most part. They lie to us. They don't care if we know that they're lying to us. They're basically daring us to do something about it. And you know what? Very few people are doing anything about it. How can John Kerry stand up and say we're defeating ISIS? The Iraqis, yes, took back Fallujah from ISIS. But ISIS still controls most of northern Iraq, a great part of Syria, 
almost all of Libya at this point, and they're engaging in terrorist attacks, attacks throughout Europe. And I'm afraid pretty soon we're going to have another one here in the United States. We've had two, but of course they weren't the fault of his radical Islamic terrorism, even though in both cases the perpetrators of San Bernardino and Orlando shot at Allah Akbar, who God is great, as they shot down innocent Americans. But listen to our leaders. It wasn't radical Islamic terrorism that was the cause of that. It was the National Rifle Association. You've heard of the National Rifle Association. That's the only organization in the world whose members are blamed for crimes they don't commit. They are Hillary Clinton's number one enemy. She said so, which means that the Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States is her number one enemy. But it's closely followed by the rest of the amendments to the Constitution and the Constitution itself. Barack Obama has no use for the Constitution, has said so from the beginning. He said so when he was running for office in 2008, but nobody listened. He has acted unconstitutionally repeatedly. The Supreme Court struck him down just the other day for the unconstitutional immigration, and Barack Obama's response was, well, I don't really have to obey that because this is what we're doing, and we're doing it differently, so I don't have to really have to listen to what the Supreme Court has to say, just like he doesn't listen to what Congress has to say. We have the Iranian Treaty, which was never submitted to the United States Senate for ratification by a two-thirds majority. And we've talked here repeatedly on the show about how the Republican leadership caved in on that and allowed the President of the United States to call a treaty something other than a treaty and submit it to the Congress for a down-negative vote only, which he could then veto, which would take two-thirds of both houses to override something that was a direct violation of Article 1, Section 7 of the Constitution that allows the President to veto laws passed by Congress, not veto laws defeated by Congress, not force a new vote or impose the laws that he wants, but he was allowed to do it. Now we have the U.N. Small Arms Treaty out there, which is being implemented by Obama, and he's turning over the names of American citizens who own firearms to the United Nations. Can I prove this? We know it's happening, because he's agreed to do it. And when a man tells our enemies, or the people of the United Nations, he's going to do something, he usually does it. And the treaty recalls for that. Now, but remember, the Small Arms Treaty was signed over a year ago by John Kerry on Barack Obama's behalf and has never been submitted to the Senate for a vote on ratification. Two-thirds of the Senate is not going to vote to ratify that treaty. So Obama is implementing the treaty anyway in direct violation of the Constitution. Now he's going to sign the Paris Accord on climate change. Again, he has no intention of submitting it to the United States Senate for ratification. He thinks he doesn't need Congress for that. 
also suspect he thinks he doesn't need Congress to appoint somebody to the Supreme Court. And I think he's going to try to do that as his last act before leaving the presidency. Unless, of course, Hillary Clinton wins, and then he will allow her to make the appointment. But if Donald Trump wins, Barack Obama is going to use the period in January of next year when Congress is in recess, or adjourned, not in recess, but adjourned, while the new Congress gets ready to take over. He will use that and say that he is making a recess appointment to the United States Supreme Court. Constitutionally, he is entitled to make recess appointments when, in fact, the Senate is in recess. But the Senate has to declare itself in recess. They're the only ones that can say they're in recess. Being adjourned is not the same as being in recess. Although you can argue that it's very similar. But here's the way the Constitution is worded. The President of the United States is allowed to make recess appointments to fill vacancies that occur while the Senate is in recess. Now, the appointment of Garland Merrick to the United States Supreme Court, if he makes it, will be made virtually a year after Antonin Scalia died, and it will be to replace him. He didn't die during the Senate adjournment in 2017. He didn't die during a Senate recess at all. So the Constitution does not allow the president to, to appoint somebody to fill that seat. But since when is this president concerned about what the Constitution does or doesn't allow him to do? My fear also is that he's going to make moves on gun control, possibly well, not possibly, I would say probably at this point, unilaterally issuing by executive order a ban on so-called assault weapons. Now, I'm not going to tell you I have weapons. I'm not going to tell you if I had weapons, what type I would have. But I can tell you this. Some of the weapons that I know other people have that are going to be classified as assault rifles or nothing close. An assault weapon is used in the military is a weapon that fires automatically. That means you pull the trigger, you hold down the trigger, and the weapon keeps firing until it runs out of ammunition and you have to reload it. That's the M16, for example. That's the rifle that is most often used by the military. But there are other types of automatic weapons. Automatic weapons have been banned in this country for since 1986. What they're calling assault weapons or AR-15s or any weapon that can be fired repeatedly by just pulling the trigger every time you want to fire. That also includes a 308, for example, a hunting rifle. There you have to, it's bolt action. You have to pull back the bolt and reload another round every time. They're calling that assault weapons. Let's go ahead and take our first break. 
The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Buzz off with Lawyer Liz. Join me each week, Wednesdays at 2 o'clock, as we talk drones, Internet of Things, and technology. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we have a president of the United States who's acting in a totally unconstitutional manner. A secretary who's going along with it, Secretary of State and a former Secretary of State who is intent on doing exactly what Obama's been doing for the last eight years. She wants to continue doing that also. She's also, by the way, a career criminal. I mean, her and Bill Clinton have four years to use their power in the federal government, to use their positions to enrich themselves. Donald Trump is right about that when he talks about her and Bill Clinton. I mean, here we are have people who have been supposedly public servants all their lives, and who, according to Hillary Clinton, were dirt poor, flat broke when they left the White House, who now are worth over $200 million. And that's just personally. They also had this foundation, the Clinton Foundation, which supposedly does all these good works around the world which is worth even more millions of dollars, and Clintons don't have to spend any of their own money on any of the traveling they do to, you know, around the world. Bill Clinton goes overseas. is paid for by the foundation. Their personal expenses are paid for by the foundation. Is that illegal? Depends on how they do it, but it's certainly immoral. I mean, they're taking money from governments like Saudi Arabia and Jordan, and they're using that money to enrich themselves. And for giving those donations to the Clinton Foundation, 
they were given special preferential treatment by Clinton while she was Secretary of State and getting contracts from the U.S. government. Even the Russians were given the right to take control of most of the uranium deposits in this country, in the United States. All of this has been done by Hillary Clinton, who now gets up and lectures us, just like Obama lectured us, about how we have to be more generous, we have to be more giving, we have to be more tolerant. We have to be more diverse. We have to tolerate transgenders, transgender men going into women's bathrooms so they can flash themselves into little girls. We have to tolerate that. We have to tolerate anything they tell us to tolerate, including the structure of our religion. Who doesn't tolerate things like transgenders and homosexuals or even women? And remember, we're talking about Hillary Clinton, the champion of women's equality, the champion of women's rights, a primary supporter of Planned Parenthood and protecting them and on their money, by the way. Notice with her how it always comes back to money. Protecting Planned Parenthood so that they can continue to give her campaign money and give money to other Democrats. Protect their right to kill and dismember babies and sell their body parts. So Hillary is a defender of women and the defender of the murder of children. She's the defender of homosexual rights and transgender equality, but not if you are a country like Saudi Arabia or Jordan that gives money to her foundation. She'll take your money and you can kill anybody you want. But by the way, it is a crime punishable in some of these regimes by death, to be homosexual or to engage in a homosexual act or to be transgender. That's okay with Hillary. As long as you're giving her money, anything's okay with Hillary and Bill Clinton. In Saudi Arabia, women cannot get an education. They cannot hold a job. They cannot drive a car. They cannot leave their homes, unless accompanied by a man, if they're walking with a man, they have to walk behind the man. They have no rights. They are considered the property of their husbands, or before they're married, the property of their fathers. They can be beaten. They can be killed in honor killings if they do something that the male doesn't like. Hillary Clinton's fine with this, as long as they keep giving her money. Now, Saudi Arabia stops donating to the Clinton Foundation and stops sending money through various surrogates for her campaign for president, then she might come out and actually criticize something in Saudi Arabia, the way they treat women, the way they treat homosexuals. But as long as that money's flowing in, Hillary Clinton will ignore the rights of anybody else. It's all about the money. It's all about the power. It's all about Hillary Clinton wanting to be president of the United States so she can accumulate more money and more power. If you'll recall, and most of you will not, those of you who are millennials, 
don't remember the scandals back in the 90s when Clinton was president and was having affairs all over the place, had affairs while he was governor of Arkansas. And all this started to break, and he lied about it. He lied under oath about it. He lost his, his license to practice law. He was suspended by the Bar Association in Arkansas because he lied under oath in a deposition. And where was Hillary Clinton with all this? Well, according to the Secret Service agent who wrote a book, which I'm looking forward to reading in the next few days, uh, she was went crazy, but she was pretty much crazy already. And she attacked Bill Clinton, and she um, abused, continued to abuse, verbally abuse him, but it's like she always abused Secret Service agents and anybody who worked in the White House. But they didn't do exactly what she wanted anticipate what she wanted, and they got verbally abused. But as far as publicly went, she defended Bill Clinton, and she attacked these women as being bimbos, being liars, being whores. She was vicious, and continues to this day to be vicious. So here we go again, the defender of women's rights, the defender of equality, the woman who stands in front of us today and says that any woman who makes an accusation of rape, it must be treated seriously. Bill Clinton was being accused of rape and sexual assault by some of these women. This wasn't all a Monica Lewinsky type deal where he had an intern, a young intern, who was willingly engaging in sex acts with him. He was forcibly, he was forcing women to have sex with him. And he had been doing it even as governor of Arkansas and before then. But Hillary Clinton, she didn't care as long as the money kept rolling in, as long as she kept maintaining her power, maintained his power. Everything is fine with women. now she wants to be our president of the United States. So she stands there in front of us and she lies. She tells us that she believes in things which she obviously does not believe in. She will sell out anybody. And I'm not even going to go into all the people who have died that knew something about the Clintons and were about to testify to it or might have come forward with it. But, you know, it's been remarkable the number of deaths that have been connected to those people over the years. Everybody from Arkansas State Policemen to um, people who run Clinton staff. But the fact of the matter is, is the woman stands there through our face and lies and has lied about Benghazi. The Benghazi report much awaited report by the Republican majority came out yesterday. The majority of the committee, select committee on Benghazi. The one by the Democrats came out the day before. The one by the Democrats basically told the party line, didn't examine any of the evidence. The one by the Republicans, I was frankly not satisfied with it because there were a lot of things in there that they either didn't look at or didn't look at adequately or chose to ignore. There were serious issues in Benghazi. 
four Americans, including the United States ambassador, were slaughtered by Islamic terrorists. The President of the United States, Hillary Clinton, all the administration officials, including Susan Rice, came forward after a period of over two weeks after the attack, continued to deny that it was a terrorist attack. They claimed it was a mob reacting to a video on YouTube, an anti-Muslim video, that they got out of control. Despite the fact that we now know, through an email that was sent by Hillary Clinton to her daughter Chelsea on the night of the attack, saying that this was an Al-Qaeda-type operation, but then continued to deny it to the American people. Obama was denying it on television two weeks afterwards. But here's the deal. There is so much that we still don't know about what happened at Benghazi. Why there was no help sent to these Americans. Craig Gowdy says, well, there was never any help on the way. That's why no help ever arrived. Apparently, the Secretary of Defense gave the order for every asset available to be used to go rescue our folks at the consulate in Benghazi. None of those assets ever left to go rescue anybody. For 10 hours, they sat. Somebody gave a stand-down order during that period and told our military people not to do it. But we can't find out who gave that order. I suspect it was Valerie Jarrett. You see, we don't know where the president is. That we have no clue. We do know he was not in the Situation Room when all this was developing, which is where he should have been as Commander-in-Chief. We don't know where he was or what he was doing. He wasn't acting as President of the United States. He had some other priority that night. So who gave that stand-down order? It had to come from the President, unless he told Valerie Jarrett to give it. And I heard reports of that. Who's Valerie Jarrett? She's a presidential advisor. She has no authority in the government whatsoever. Certainly no authority to tell the military to stand down. But somebody did. That we know for a fact. And we'll talk more about the report after this break. Who is or what is USJF? It is a nonprofit legal organization founded to protect our rights through the U.S. Constitution. Active in educating the public, USJF has also contributed directly and indirectly to legal defense efforts in many celebrated cases involving fundamental conservative principles. Cases of note include the Mount Soledad Cross case, the Arizona Immigration Law case, the Obama eligibility cases, the NDAA illegal detention issue, and many more. Help this nonprofit as they help you. Visit www.usjf.net today. Are your health insurance premiums going up? 
you are not alone. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org to understand why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. This is Grace Marie Turner, President of the Galen Institute. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So we don't know where the President of the United States was when there was an attack occurring on an American consulate, which, by the way, is American soil. The land on which we have an embassy in another country, or on which we have a consulate, becomes our land. That becomes our property. That means any attack on those embassies or consulates is an attack on the United States of America. But do we have a president that cares? Apparently not. Former Secretary of State that cares? Apparently not. I mean, you know, they, they can't even get up the gumption to name the people who carry out these attacks. They're jihadists. They're radical Muslims. They're Islamic extremists, terrorists, period, end of subject. But they don't want to talk about that. Just like they still don't want to talk about Benghazi. The stand-down order. What happened when that stand-down order was given up? Remember that we were told by most of the mainstream media for several years after this occurred, that there were no assets, because the government was saying this, there were no military assets available. They could have arrived in time to help. That may have been true as far as assets that could have gotten there in time to save the ambassador. Because Stevens was killed fairly early in the attack. He was probably the first casualty. But the other three men could possibly have been saved. The two Navy SEALs weren't killed until the attack had been going on for quite some time, for hours. So why wasn't anybody sent? Well, we had F-16s, fighter jets, that could have been there in a matter of minutes. It was supposedly decided not to send in the fighter jets because they might have killed some of our own people. Now, the two Navy SEALs that were there had laser pointers and were on the roof of the consulate building and were painting the targets, thinking the F-16s were going to be coming. They were painting the targets out there. So these attacks would have been laser-controlled. 
and no Americans would have been killed, their lives would have been saved. We didn't order any F-16s. We had Marines stationed in Spain. They were ordered to prepare to go in. And then the order was countermanded. First, by being, they were told that they had to change uniforms. They had to get out of their Marine Corps uniforms and get in some nondescript clothing that didn't identify them as Marines because they didn't want to, the government didn't want to insult the Libyans by sending in Marines that were identified as U.S. Marines. So for three hours, they were told to change clothes and then change clothes and then wait and then nothing happened. We were also told in this report that we were trying, the Secretary of State, I assume, the President wasn't doing squat, and we, will, we don't know what he was doing, but he certainly wouldn't do anything to defend his country at that point. But we don't know what the Secretary of State was doing at that point. Hillary was obviously not in charge, probably didn't want to be in charge, didn't want to be part of it. But nobody was being ordered to go in and rescue these people. Now, we had a team of four individuals in Tripoli, where the embassy is located, which was just about a 30-minute plane ride from Benghazi. That team was ready to go. Four well-armed men could have made a difference. Now, understand that this team of four had been just a few months before a team of almost 30 for security of the consulate and the embassy and our ambassador. And then they had cut that down to like 14. Ambassador Stevens had complained and requested more security because of the situation. And the response was to cut it down to four. And Hillary, who was in charge of this, and don't let her get away with saying, well, she, this really wasn't her responsibility. She was Secretary of State. She's in charge of all the embassies. She's in charge of security, getting security. I wrote an article just about ten days ago on my blog called The Blue and you can access it at www.michaelconnelly.com. And you can also go to the America's Web Radio homepage for this show, Our Constitution, and you'll find a link to it there. Take a look at it, because the Blue Mountain Group was a group hired by Hillary Clinton to replace armed American security guards at the embassy. And this was a group that hired by God of Wales. They were hired apparently primarily, and I, I say this in the article, because they were the only group out there that would agree to send their people into harm's way, guarding a dangerous embassy and consulate in a dangerous part of the world and send them in armed, armed, because Hillary Clinton did not want the security guards to be armed. What type of political correctness is that? I mean, 
you hate the NRA and the Second Amendment so much that you're not even going to provide armed security to protect the people that work for you in a volatile nation like that? But that's who these were. Blue Mountain Group hired locals, local Libyans, and some of them were interviewed by Reuters after this attack occurred, and they said basically they'd received no training. Nobody had vetted them. Nobody asked them if they were connected with Al-Qaeda or any terrorist organization. They were given a flashlight and a baton and told to guard the perimeter of the embassy, and if anything occurred, they were to radio in to the consulate, and then they were to run and hide. That's the type of security that Rick Clinton was giving to our people. You see what I'm saying? There's a lot of questions here that have not been answered. We don't know what these people are doing. They're lying to us at every turn. When I say these people, I'm talking about the entire federal government for all intents and purposes. I mean, we can't get a straight story out of the Republicans in Congress as to why, for example... They have done nothing to stop the immigration amnesty that was given by Obama. They've done nothing to defund Obamacare. Did nothing to stop the Iranian Treaty. Why they basically have been sitting there on their hands. I can tell you why. They are looking at, they were, were looking at the almost sure thing they thought of winning the presidency and maintaining control of the Senate, maintaining control of the House, and then everything would be hunky-dory. We would have a Republican president, Republican Congress. They could appoint Supreme Court justices. We'd have a Republican-controlled Supreme Court, and everything would be great for them. Not necessarily for you and I. We're just the unwashed masses. We're too stupid. And we've known, I've told you for years, that the Democrats feel this way. And you know it's true. The Democrats and the socialists and the liberals feel that we are too stupid to understand how to handle our own financial affairs, how to handle our own lives. We need to be led around. We need to be told what to do. We need Hillary's. We need Brock's. We need Kerry's. We need members of the national news media to tell us what to say, what to think, and how to act. And you know what? There are a lot of Republicans out there who feel the same way. And now they're extremely upset because the Republicans, the grassroots Republicans, the rank and file, did not go along with the coronation of Jeb Bush or some other establishment candidate. They revolted, just like the people of Great Britain revolted against their government, against the elite bureaucracy in Brussels, and number 10 Downing Street. They revolted. They got out of the European Union. Now we have the establishment Republicans having a fit because somebody has been nominated as a presumptive nominee to be Republican candidate for president that they did not handpick, that they did not choose. 
that was in fact chosen by Republican voters in this country, which is supposed to work, but not the way they want it to work. Because you know what? They're basically treating us the same way that they want to treat us. And that is like we're too stupid. So what are they going to do? Well, some of them are going to betray their own party and the Republican in this country, and they're going to sit back and either let Hillary Clinton be elected president <laughs> or they're going to help elect Hillary Clinton president. Anything but Donald Trump. Now, I am executive director of a nonprofit corporation. I can't endorse anybody for president. I can only criticize the people who are out there that are running. I can say I don't think somebody ought to be president, but I can't come out and say who I think should be president. But regardless of how you feel about Donald Trump or about anybody else that their feelings might have nominated, particularly if it was done by the people, Hillary Clinton cannot be allowed to be president of the United States. If it takes a third-party movement to block her, maybe that's the way it is. But it may just be the American people stepping up and saying, we've had enough. We've had enough of this elitist philosophy. We've had enough of being told what to do. We've had enough of our leaders on both parties, both parties betraying us. We've had enough. Because if the American people don't stand up and say that, and if Hillary Clinton or somebody likes her president of the United States, we're going to lose the Supreme Court, we're going to lose our Constitution. And after this final break, we're going to talk specifically about some clear and present danger to the Constitution today. The United States Justice Foundation, since 1979, has been dedicated to instructing, informing, and educating the public on legal issues confronting America. That means you and me. When necessary, this nonprofit organization has had to litigate to present the constitutional view. Since 1980, USJF has submitted testimony to the U.S. Senate on all but one U.S. Supreme Court nominee. Learn more about USJF by visiting their website at www.usjf.net. Support this nonprofit as it defends our rights, our liberty, and our Constitution. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Obamacare is failing. We all know that, but you need to know why and what you can do to get us back on the right track. Visit us at ObamacareWatch.org. This is Grace Marie Turner of the Galen Institute. Join us at ObamacareWatch.org. Watchdog. 
is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Well, this show is called Our Constitution for a reason, because I like to discuss with you and with some of my guests, we have them on, the Constitution of the United States and what it means and how important it really is. And in the previous segment, I was talking about how the elitists out there are telling us that the Constitution is meaningless. And it's happening both on the Republican and Democratic side. Just in the last few days, Richard Posner, a federal judge appointed by Ronald Reagan, who I work for on his campaign staff, and who offered me several sub-cabinet positions in his administration, and who I felt very close to and thought very highly of, he appointed Richard Posner to the federal bench. I was delighted. This guy was, as far as I could tell, a strict constructionist when it came to the Constitution, a staunch believer in the Bill of Rights, and like his counterpart, who was appointed many years later, Antonin Scalia, would be a fine Supreme Court justice. But then Posner, all of a sudden, has come out in the last few days and that because he's now a professor at the University of Chicago, I think it is, law school, and said that we need to stop teaching the Constitution to our children. Because the Constitution is useless, it is outdated, it is no longer applicable, and we don't need a bunch of men, our people listening today to what was said by a bunch of men over 250 years ago, or over 200 years ago. basically telling us we no longer have a constitutional form of government. He has endorsed the idea that we are living under a dictatorship and we need to accept the fact that we are living under a dictatorship. I'm not going to accept that fact. And they're not going to force me without a fight to accept that fact. But this is what we're looking at. And why are they getting by with this? Because... Our children don't know anything about the Constitution. The millennials out there, they don't know anything about the Constitution. They were not taught about the Constitution. If they heard about it at all, they were told exactly what Posner said, that it's out of the date, it's useless, it doesn't apply anymore. That's what Barack Obama said when he ran for president in 2008. That's why they telling us that they can take away our guns and why they have a Supreme Court that's going along with that. Why 
are they can take away our free speech. They can take away our freedom of religion. That we have to do what is politically correct and is deemed politically correct by them, or we will be punished one way or the other. Whether it's economically, or losing our freedom, being thrown in jail, being denied due process, like it's happening to our veterans and now our senior citizens all over the country, and they're taking away their gun rights. I need your help here. I virtually every show about my booklet, Our Constitution, which is a little 70-page booklet, pocket size, that contains each article, each section, each amendment of the Constitution, the way they were originally written, and then I put it in my comments about what they originally, what they actually mean. And I talk about things like the treaty power and how it has to be, treaties have to be ratified by two-thirds of the Senate. I talk about how the fair fact is that even though our kids are taught it in school, that there is no phrase in the Constitution that talks about separation of church and state. It doesn't exist. Now, we've sold over 7,000 copies of that little booklet. You can go to my website. I said the link is on on the Our Constitution website on America's Web Radio. You can go to my website, and you can find out how to order a copy of the book, or you can go to www.constitution.jigsy.com. You can find out how to order copies, $6 per copy. And I don't make any money listening to americaswebradio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening watchdog is a term given an organization like the united states justice foundation which since 1979 has been watching out and when necessary taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights usjf a nonprofit organization is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. Did you miss the show that you really yeah, wanted sure to hear? What happened, folks? Hello. It might have something to do with the heat around here. Uh, we are having extreme heat here in Texas at the moment, and uh, that has in the past interfered with the, the cell phone towers. So I apologize, but I was talking about the booklet, Our Constitution, and I don't make any money off of that booklet. I'm entitled to royalties, but I don't take them. Every money, every penny that comes in is rolled over into a special account so that we can subsidize the selling of the booklet at cost or even less for schools and student groups and this sort of thing for people who want to distribute them in mass. And we have special discounts for that. And I want to make sure that when we run out of this current printing, which is our third printing actually, we run out of it, but I'm able to go ahead and immediately order another 5,000 or 7,000 copies so we can have them ready to go. These booklets 
everybody who's read it has contacted me about it has, has been praising it. They like the way it's written. They like the way they can carry it around with them. They like to put it in the hands of their friends, their relatives, their family. And I want more of those to get out there. So please, order a single copy for yourself. Order a copy for your children. Order a copy for your friends and co-workers. And if you can get a group of people together, order copies for schools, for classrooms. We've got a Rotary Club in South Texas, order 500 copies to distribute to all of the incoming juniors, high school juniors, in six school districts. We've had several private schools around the country that have ordered copies for all their students. We've had individuals order copies just to give out to groups like Rotary Clubs or Lions Clubs or Tea Party groups. Order some copies of this booklet. We need to get the word out that we are serious, that the Constitution is a serious document. It is not outdated. It is not outmoded. It means exactly what it says, and we need to treat it as a document that means exactly what it says. If people don't know what their rights are, they're not going to understand when they're losing them. And that's what's happening in this country right now. Young people particularly are buying into this political correctness nonsense. They recently had a survey where young college students were asked if they thought socialism was a compassionate form of government. And 60% said yes. Do they know anything about Venezuela? Where people are starving to death and being liberally starved to death by a socialist government? They know that it was a socialist, communist government that killed 30 million people in the former Soviet Union. They killed 30 million in China. They killed thousands and continues to kill thousands in Cuba. They've killed thousands of people in places like Vietnam. Do they know this? No, they don't know it. Because they're not told about it. They don't know what socialism is, but they don't even know what our country is. They don't know what a constitutional republic is. So go to my website, www.michaelconnelly.jigsy.com, and order copies of this booklet. And you can also look at the books I've written and order copies of those if you're interested. And by the way, news is now been edited by the publisher and is now going into the production phase. So it should be coming out sometime in about a month or so. New novel called Patriotic Novel called Rag. Uh, this is kind of an important novel. People who have read the, the version of it, or the draft of it, have said it could be very important to people before this upcoming election. So I'll let you know when this becomes available. In the meantime, thank you for having me on this in your homes and offices today. Uh, everybody have a very happy 4th of July weekend. And remember to thank our God for the freedoms we have in this country and thank a veteran or a soldier. Thank them for continuing to defend us. Certainly the people in Washington won't do it. 
God bless, and talk to you later. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.